Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Christopher Drobut. Having worked and lived across Western Canada, Christopher has recently made a shift out of an 18-year career with one company to now exploring Edmonton's innovation ecosystem. His experience launching a store in a new market helped him realize his excitement around bringing ideas into reality and the power of a supportive network in making that happen. Christopher is involved in the Aquatic Biosphere project, working on funds development for a push to bring a world-class aquarium to the city of Edmonton. He's also working towards building a machine learning model with retail applications and is completing the final courses towards his MBA. Let's join Christopher now as he has a conversation with guest David Botwick-Rice. Take it away, Christopher. All right. So welcome to today's show. This is Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas. My name is Chris Robot, and I am from the Edmonton area here. Uh, today we have a guest with us who has been all over the world, though, and has chosen to make Edmonton his home. So it, we've got David here and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself in just a moment. Uh, but uh, we've got, I think, a lot of good stuff that we're going to cover off and uh, a real great journey that he's he's taken so far. So David, why don't you introduce yourself and and tell us about uh, tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Chris, uh, for having me. Looking forward to uh, discussing, you know, really what it means I think to be entre- an entrepreneur, uh, the growing Edmonton ecosystem, and maybe even the word ecosystem. I think you know we get used to using all of these words, and they sound really great because they are great. But like any word, you use it too often, and sometimes the meaning can be. Uh, kind of devalued a little bit. So I think it's important every now and then to kind of check in and say, okay, what is this, what does this mean? Just because I say the word and you say the word, does that mean we're actually speaking the same language? Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, my name is David Botwick Reese. I live in Edmonton here. Uh, my wife and I moved here January, 2016. Um, I'm originally from the U S she is from Mexico. Uh, and so I, yeah, we, I made my way to Mexico, uh, and then that's where I met my wife. We actually ran a restaurant there together for two years and then moved to Edmonton in 2016. Uh, and that's, um, that's where we've been ever since. People often ask why Edmonton. It's a good question, um, but it just kind of happened. You know, we had friends in Fort McMurray. They said, don't move here. You'll hate it, but check out Edmonton or Calgary. And I think we made the right choice coming to the YEG. Um, I work remotely out of Toronto. I do business development and sales for a company called Connect Ad. We manage Google advertising for nonprofit organizations. Uh, we're a certified professional in the space, so only one of 40 companies worldwide recognized for the work that we do. Uh, and I also work remotely from Washington, D.C., uh, participating in a real-time archive of U.S. gun violence called the Gun Violence Archive. So I do some database management and communications there. So. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that I work completely out of Edmonton, um, but then based at Edmonton. So it, it creates an interesting opportunity to be involved in the ecosystem, but not with a direct, I guess, benefit from it. Meaning, you know, I'm not looking to actually do business specifically because my work is all based outside the city limits. Right. And uh, and with that idea in mind, I mean, you've been uh, part of the co-working community in Edmonton for quite a while as well. And I, I believe you were actually the first 
uh, member of a co-working uh, space nearby. Yeah, it worked nicer. Uh, you know, first, definitely not the last um, by any means because the community is growing. So it's really fantastic and really a testament to the team there. Uh, and yeah, I also managed Homestead co-working one street over and then now I'm a member at Work Nicer co-working the other direction one street over. Uh, so yeah, it's been cool to be a part of it and yeah, just want to say I, I really think co-working is important. Uh, for any entrepreneurial ecosystem, just having that platform for people to connect uh, and just kind of leaving it up to them. And so, yeah, just uh, wanting to be the first member because it was interesting where I was managing a space and then, you know, left that position and then took the job out of Toronto. Now I was actually in the position needing a space. So I became a user and a consumer and saying, oh, wow, I really think this product is fantastic. Had visited Work Nicer down in Calgary. And so when they, you know, made their way up here, no influence of, of mine, I just jumped at the opportunity and said, yeah, I want to be a part of this because I think it's great for not just me personally, which which it is, out of, I worked was just there working, um, but for the city as well of just taking that next step to really connect Alberta through co-working and not necessarily through government programs, you know, or initiatives specifically, but work nicer as a way to connect people and then be a base for those initiatives such as Rainforest. Right, right. So, so why don't you uh, just tell us a bit about let's let's back up in the story a bit and tell us about the story of yourself so you started you were in the US and you had i believe you'd said you started a company there uh, when we were talking earlier um so why don't you just start there and and kind of how does your entrepreneurial journey led you to where we are today yeah uh, great question and so yeah it started in uh, the state of Maryland so i went to the university of maryland and launched a company there it was called mike and cookies it was a cookie company uh, named after my father, Michael. And so I worked, so I studied actually political science. Um, so that was my major and that's what I graduated in. Um, but I just kind of gravitated towards the Entrepreneur Center there, fantastic center, the Dingman Center for Entrepreneurship. Um, you know, one of their big claims or names to claim, whatever the expression is, is Kevin Plank, founder of Under Armour. So the, a lot of entrepreneurial support infrastructure there. Uh, and I just started spending time at the Dingman Center uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, pair up with a, my mentor, Harry Geller, who actually was actually the former CEO of DHL. So, a, you know, really amazing experience, um, high level business, you know, international business, being involved in, you know, big operations, big budget. And so it was really awesome just to, you know, what, I was 19, 20 at the time, political science, really had no business, formal business experience, just started going every single week, you know, with this far-fetched idea. And then I just went back every week, you know, they'd kind of given me homework, unofficial homework and went back and they started, you know, poking holes, uh, him along with some other, uh, you know, mentors, kind of EIRs, entrepreneurs in residence there, you know, amazing, just kind of resume collectively and just started going back and said, okay, well, this is actually feasible to the point where I had been there enough where I could participate in the pitch competition that they had. I think it was every semester with seed money and prizes and the first time I pitched, I did not win. I actually won the audience choice, but that was just because I had cookies on me. So that was an easy, <laughs> an easy win. Um, but then from there, you know, I definitely had to look at my idea, which was called romantic and, you know, very idealistic, but not a lot of business base. And that made sense, especially from where I was coming from and maybe just some of the, my natural weaknesses 
kind of gravitates towards that. So it was a really good opportunity for me to say, okay, either I'm going to re, you know, reject this advice and say, no, they're wrong, or okay, no, these people know what they're talking about. How can I improve? And so that in, in that year, uh, from one pitch to the next pitch, um, I just started doing a lot of market research, doing a lot of different studies, going to food truck um, festivals in Washington, D.C., because that was the original concept, a cookie food truck, you know, interviewing, you know, looking at market trends. I mean, just everything that I could do to do my homework. Um, and then the following pitch year, I won, uh, you know, basically the whole thing. So with seed money, which then allowed me to grow to the point where I had a purchase order contract with the university itself. And so I was distributing to, I think it was 12, 14, I can't remember the exact number of the university cafes and coffee shops. So the engineering school, math school, business school, et cetera, that in those shops, I was a essentially licensed University of Maryland product right at the cashier. And it just grew from you know about 200 cookies a week to approximately 3,000 just in a matter of months. Wow. So that was a really cool opportunity, uh, you know, utilizing the Dingman Center for Entrepreneurship, you know, the mentorship, which is obviously key in any relationship uh, to learn from people that have been there before, have a little bit more, uh, yeah, more seasoning uh, to their walk. And then, yeah, being able to then have the amazing opportunity through the university itself uh, to be able to kind of grow and play around. I found it interesting. I mean, you mentioned just right now about the uh, idea that your idealism, your romanticism could somehow be a weakness. But but I think that in a lot of what you've done from our conversations earlier, th that's also a strength that you've leveraged, maybe. Yeah, I, and I think it just comes with time to understand, you know, where it is well used and where it isn't, I guess, like anything, right? You have to look at it as a tool. And if you use kind of the idealism uh, and, you know, romantic kind of, we'll call it, quote, living the dream type of lifestyle everywhere, you're probably not going to get the best results um, using it across the board and kind of recklessly, you know, but yes, there's a reason and we'll, we'll get to this, you know, um, kind of continue the timeline of where I am today. I don't think I would have been able to get there without looking for that type of lifestyle, but at the same time, going through experiences that taught me that, okay, in certain situations, you, you need to be a little maybe more pragmatic or even though internally you can be idealistic, maybe not demonstrate that as much to the outside world. Not that it's a fault or that you would be misunderstood, but just I think it's a, it's a good balance where you understand you know, where you're coming from and you can have those goals, but you don't necessarily need to share it with everybody. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a balance and I think that's where the experience comes in that the 19-year-old obviously is very different than the 30-year-old you know, here today in terms of what type of approach I'm going to in terms of all interactions uh, and how to actually treat people. Sometimes I think the idealism, especially for me, could get to a point where you maybe not heed people's advice as much. And that's where I mean that balance of have that internal idealism, but maybe actually listen to people a little bit more. I'm just speaking personally here to respect where they've come from and, and therefore not push away their advice or counsel and make it seem like, okay, this, this person, this young guy just, you know, thinks he can do everything. And so I think tailoring that idealistic arrogance, uh, just speaking candidly here has, has been a journey of itself because I think that's, that's yielded better fruit over time is to understand that, yeah, I, you don't know everything period. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's the best thing. And just to pair that, I mean, with the disciplines now that you've learned along the way, put them both together and then you can do amazing things. And I, I think that kind of the next step in your journey when you went down to Mexico uh, and 
now you're taking all this knowledge you have and you're applying it in a, in a totally different country, a totally different setting. Tell us about that. Yeah, and I think that's a great example too is um, the importance of kind of those environments and ways where you're really tested because it's really easy, okay, to be in a place, you know, I was in the university system, so I, I had contacts there, I had friends, I, I knew people, you know, both first, second, third degree to help me with this business, right? The language, the, the down to knowing the landscape of, of where everything is, right? You, you can kind of take it for granted and there's growth there, but sometimes you need to be that per, proverbial fish out of water to really grow. And so, yeah, when I decided to um, move to Mexico. This is 2014. Actually, before that, I had managed another co-working space. That was the first co-working space that I had managed and even been introduced to. And that really spoke to, and I think maybe even kind of metaphorically what we're talking about is you have these two sides. What I really believe co-working is about is the fast pace, networking, business growth, where you're able to succeed, be productive, you know, really figure out new ways of doing things, you know, find new leads, find new sales, find new opportunities, but yet it's still grounded in a sense of community and support, right? It's not just you on your own. It's not you being able to do it all by yourself, where sometimes I feel like the We'll call it Fast Company. I think it's a good magazine, but I'm just using it as a title. The Fast Company approach sometimes gets a little bit too lost in the clouds. I feel like it's important to also be grounded. And that's where I think coworking hits it, where it's not the complete just like community aspect where people aren't looking ahead, because I think you need that also, that, that future planning foresight. But at the same time, not looking so much ahead where you're treating people poorly and not remembering that at the end of the day, everyone's got the same struggle. So that being said, um, learning that and then moving to Mexico and really being a completely different experience, that was uh, a, <laughs> quite the learning opportunity, you know, having to be in a restaurant where you're not even familiar with the entire vocabulary and you have to look to other people, you have to learn and you have to realize that you're not saying things correctly, but you're dealing with not just a friend, you're dealing with a customer. So you have to do it in a way, and I'm not saying I did it the best all the time, especially cultural things of you know, where Mexico is a very, very, and, you know, kind of um, the Latin American culture in general is very warm, very different than U.S. and Canada. And that was a big uh, shift, especially in restaurant, where here you can go to a restaurant and, of course, you're not, the server's not being rude, but it's just kind of the standard Canadian experience, right? They're not being overtly warm in terms of making your experience feel like, wow, this is just amazing, because that's just not what we expect here, right? But over there, if you don't do that, it's kind of taken as a, a slight towards the customer. So that had to adjust very quickly because this wasn't, again, just like a study abroad program where I can kind of mess around. Like this was a business, you know, that my wife had created with her reputation as a chef and her nutrition programs. And I was helping with the communications, the strategy, kind of the global outreach. And so this was customer. These were customers, right? right. And so that was the experience there of being in a restaurant in a strange country, having to then learn how to you know, write business emails, do inventory, new products, all of the steps like any business owner is dealing with, but in a completely foreign landscape. So that was a lot of fun. And, and we managed that for, yeah, for almost two years, about 18 months. And that, that has kind of a nice uh, parallel to the innovation landscape itself. I mean, so many times people have this great idea, but there, there's no precedent for them. They are going into this brand new. They've got to learn the language. They have to learn the the context of it. So, I mean, you, you did that in a very... 
uh, physical manner by actually moving somewhere else. But uh, conceptually, people are doing that in the innovation landscape all the time. So, you know, now that you've moved to Edmonton, how have you drawn on those previous experiences in in your approach to to work? I know you're working with another organization right now, but I, I think you use the term entrepreneur, and maybe maybe kind of talk to us about that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you said it really well. The fact that, um, yeah, maybe it was a physical example of that type of you know innovation move you know being in a foreign landscape but people can interact with that same experience they don't I'm not saying everybody has to move to Mexico uh, to do it um, and so yeah the the entrepreneur aspect that was a term that I I guess technically was introduced to the first time I managed the co-working space in Connecticut before moving to Mexico and it was just this idea of kind of utilizing the entrepreneur skills where you're still working for the organization, but you're on your own in the sense that you are approaching problems and approaching the business as if you were the entrepreneur, except you're not, right? You're not the one who is, you know, running, we'll say it, logistics, payroll, the compliance, the legal components, but you're still having that same mindset to do it. And so that's something that just throughout time, and that was after the first business, uh, it's a whole separate conversation of how that ended uh, and lessons there of really it's how important it is to to close kind of loops properly um, and to not leave a trail. And I'm not just talking about financially, just in general, that was the big takeaway. You know, there are, there are relationships, and it's not like I regret it to this day, but again, a learning experience where I would handle it in a much different way now. And that's, I think, hopefully maybe a takeaway for anybody listening is, you know, when you're transitioning, whether it's just out of a job or a business, that's really the key takeaway. It's, it doesn't even matter. For five years, you had the best business reputation. You had the best, you know, customer service, like how you end it is really key. And so in that transition from the co-working space, I really literally had almost like a box with a bow. I didn't even have, I didn't have a bow, but it was like everything was in order because I think that's the proper way to do it that I didn't do before. Um, so after the cookie business, after the restaurant, yeah, learning these things of, I don't necessarily want to run a business on my own again, uh, at least not in this time. I, I think the experience that I was able to have at such a young age, and you can get it in any age, I'm not saying it, that was the best way to do it. But I think there was something about doing it so early on that learned so much so quickly that I was like, okay, I can take a step back from, from this, especially learning the lessons that I did, even not necessarily business, but just like person to person, right? How to deal with relationships because as you know, and this is especially we see this at Lunch Without Lunch every week, and I've been noticing this is just in kind of a tangent movies that we've been watching lately at home. It's like, it's amazing that regardless of the landscape, right? For example, I'll just use Interstellar, right? This is out in the middle of nowhere, black hole, abyss, you know, fictional landscape. And it just comes down to, at the end of the day, one human, another human, what they what experiences they have been through, what they're dealing with now and where they want to go. Like you can take away all of the context and that's what it comes down to. Every single movie is, is, is human relationships. And so I think for business, that's really important too, is how do you, how do you learn how to actually create relationships with people where you, you respect them, you honor them, you listen to them and it's mutually beneficial. So yeah, long story short, um, learning those skills and then moving to Edmonton, it was deciding okay, I want to work and help add value to companies um, without necessarily 
becoming a quote entrepreneur again, because I already feel that I'm an entrepreneur. And I know we talked about that briefly. What was it last week or the week before for me, what work and entrepreneurship means is making work work for you. Um, and what that means besides just a kind of a catchphrase is for example, when you're scheduling a, a meeting or a call or even this podcast, right? What t- we say it, right? What time works for you? So I think it's an interesting phrase in and of itself. You say what time works for you? You don't say, all right, what time are you working for? It's actually this inherent understanding that it is your benefit. It's fitting into your schedule. So I think for work and after all of the experience of, you know, the business and the freelancing, looking at time as the most valuable resource and wanting to use that time to benefit so that the time works for me and the work works for me. So that's kind of how I would, in a very long-winded way, viewing entrepreneurship now is not that, okay, say you had a problem, right? Like here's a problem give it to five different people. What I believe entrepreneurship is, is that five different people can take five different approaches to solve that problem or come up with another approach that wasn't listed, not the first person solving it. And now the other four learning, oh, that person solved it that way. Yeah. Okay. Learn maybe how they solved it, but why? Right. So I think it's sometimes more important, not just getting from point A to point B, but how did you get there? How did you get the answer? Not just what's the answer. And I think that's a, a really good kind of brain process to go through. And that's what entrepreneurship means to me. It, it's not doing it the same way as being a quote entrepreneur. And this is what an entrepreneur looks like, talks like, acts like, tweets like, but that you can really create a way that has never been before, whether that's business, you know, just personal work. I mean, you name it, even how to view time in general. I think it's really open-ended. I think it's great. Just the, the lunch without lunch, what that's allowed us to do is to hear all those different perspectives on what entrepreneurship and innovation does look like for each of those individuals. They, they've all had their very different paths that they took mm-hmm. to get to where they are today. And you know, it's great now. I mean, you, you've been somebody who has been attending, you've been sharing your perspectives. You've been somebody who's been part of this community for a number of years. And you, just like everybody else that's been taking part in Lunch Without Lunch, you have something that you like to add to the community. You're trying to add value. I mean, and it's kind of a unique perspective because, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you aren't specifically doing business with the people in this community. Your business is elsewhere. So what you are doing is you're contributing to the ecosystem in a, in a very different way than I think a lot of other people are. Uh, so why are you, why do you lean towards that? Like what about that? It drives you. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I think it's just a matter of just fortunate, um, kind of blessing how it worked out. The fact that I was able to now to participate in the ecosystem um, and we'll call it the community, the network. Again, it, it's just relationships, right? Whether you call it rainforest, whether you call it work nicer. And yes, I'm not saying that there's no, no need for institutions and names and labels. No, please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying those are really important as a starting point. But if, for example, if you and I, Chris, are only ever viewing each other through our respective roles at company X and company Y, I think some, we, we actually miss something to be able to develop a relationship even if it's not transactional, even if it's not ending up in a business deal or a partnership, but just is there, I think sometimes you can miss it by just keeping on the labels. And so that's, that's why I lean towards it because, you know, it was, it was beneficial and I learned a lot managing Homestead. 
uh, you know, many, many factors, um, but being involved in the ecosystem, but I always had to represent that organization. That was my job. And so I wanted to represent it. I wanted people to know that we existed and this is what we were doing. But I find a little bit more freedom now, the fact that I don't have to then wear that hat. And so I can simply participate without representing through that specific institution. Again, there are many people involved in rainforest and the ecosystem at large that do represent that institution. And that's great because there are so many companies, co-working spaces, um, you know, initiatives that are doing amazing things. Um, but for me, it just it was definitely noticeable. And again, this is just my perspective. Works for me doesn't mean it works for other people to be able to just participate as a kind of passion, hobby, interest, entrepreneurship. You know, I, I'm not looking at it as the kind of income generating aspect of my life. It's almost like, yeah, that's my work and I take care of that. And then now I'll go to lunch without lunch. And if somebody comes to a, a workshop that I run and if somebody, you know, decides to work with our agency, great. But that's not kind of the point. It's just more like I want to meet people and find out what they're up to. Um, and yeah, like you said, in terms of the, uh, the unique perspective, that's something I, I want to be careful about too, is the innovation could be, yeah, just in your own lifestyle. It could be in the way that you approach work. And for me, like I said before, time is always now. I've just reached that point um, where it's just more valuable than money. Of course, money is a tool and we use it and it's important, period, right? I, I don't think that we, we need to belabor that point anymore. But for me, time is, is something that just, that's everything, right? Uh, and so when, when I say work, make work work for you, that this doesn't mean now you take what I said today or another day if we have a coffee or a meeting, and now you necessarily need to extrapolate that onto your own situation. What I'm just offering as an option is find out how to make your own situation and own life and own schedule and own job and you know income streams innovative in its own regard. Because I think if you just take mine as the new catchphrase model, I think you're actually defeating what it might mean to be a true, real, full extent of entrepreneur. Uh, which is to make it your own. Yeah, and and I heard somebody else actually a few weeks back who shared a, a different but similar definition of entrepreneur is is basically just somebody that gets things done. And when you apply that to your own life in what you're talking about, you're using people's maybe ideas that they've shared or, or whatever it might be, and you're putting them together into a tumbler and something comes out. And at the end of it, it's this polished gem that, that that's your own life. And that's, I think, what the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem is meant to support is people figuring out their own process of how they're going to get this polished gem of their own lives at the end of it all. So that... that yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's not being, and maybe this is where my... <laughs> Uh, aforementioned romanticism comes out, but I, I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's wrong to talk about the subject. We're talking about people's lives here, right? Like first and foremost, yes, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in business and entrepreneurs and ecosystem. And these are great concepts and topics, but at the end of the day, they're humans, they have lives. And so I think it's important in this that we we support that aspect. And it doesn't mean that everybody has to get to the same place, right? That not every company has to look, feel the same, come with the same result in terms of how they raise funds, you know, how big they are, scaling, all of that, right? Like, yeah, maybe there's some companies because of their goals of the humans with their lives and what they want to achieve, they want to get there. But maybe a company that doesn't want to scale, it doesn't mean that we should try to make them scale. Maybe that's just where they need to be. And so I agree with that completely. The idea of entrepreneurship 
getting things done that could be just for a, a week. I'm not saying you only run a business for a week, but I mean like just to understand the context, right? And the timing of everything. Maybe it's a very specific aspect of creating an initiative for six months and before developing to something else, right? Like I think, I think there's a, a flexibility of that where we're not looking at making every project, every company, every person get to the same result, but actually what is, that's, this is what I would say, what is the best result for this particular initiative project fill in the blank? And I think that actually opens up a whole box of opportunities rather than saying, okay, we have this one, how do we get it to that same destination as, as everything else? Um, I don't think that's, I think that's a form of entrepreneurship, but I think maybe we're, we're not uh, being able to look at it completely and in a way that maybe we haven't even thought about it. Maybe that's another step of entrepreneurship in the future is what does that actually mean? Or, you know, maybe it's not just business, it's, it's life in general. Right, right. So is there something from your past experience that you would want to share with people that are listening today? Like w what they could take away that, you know, is the, the number one thing? Like, is there something that you'd share? The number one thing. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, yeah, important to just try to think how to sum it up. Yeah, just, I know it sounds maybe, you know, cliche, but, you know, really treat treat people well and, and do your best to foster empathy and something that I haven't necessarily been great at in the past. And, you know, again, the cookie business, how that ended was just, was not the best way. I was young and impetuous and didn't really know better. Um, but learn from your mistakes and not regret them, but also not keep them completely out of mind so you remember maybe the feeling of what others might have felt like in that situation. Um, so, I, yeah, and, and focus on relationships that don't necessarily have to end with transactions um, because that's, I think, where you'll actually get better transactions maybe in the long run if you're not exactly looking for, okay, what can you give me right now? Okay, what can I give you right now? But rather than like, Hey, cool. Let's connect. We don't know what's going to happen down the road. Maybe it's a podcast like we're doing today. Maybe it's a, a project in the future, a collaboration, but allow those collaborative opportunities to happen spon spontaneously. And let me pause there. Spontaneously meaning that it just happens in its natural flow. You've already done the work to connect. I know spontaneous is a word that now used a lot. It's like they just happen out of nothing. No, there's obviously work that's happened. You had to go to the event. You had to meet the person, maybe go for a coffee, but just allow those coffees to happen, you know? Um, and then also in terms of work-related, yeah, I'd say, you know, look at time and really how do you make work work for you uh, and in a way to make it your own where you don't have to abide by something that's just been a catchphrase by somebody else, but really evaluate what, what do I want to spend my, my days on? Uh, and how do I add value to, you know, the people around me and the community and, and the businesses that I'm, you know, participating in or nonprofits that you're in, you know, et cetera. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, um, but I would just say, yeah, approach it in a relationship-based way. And from there, that's where I think everything starts is just connecting with other people and recognizing them as people, not as a title, a role, and a specific transaction that you're looking for. That stuff will come. But just go out for coffee, you know, be good to one another. And I think from there, 
the rest is pretty easy. Sounds kind of like you're saying that 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 life itself is the creative act. That is the entrepreneurial act. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like because I'm I'm not looking to be a business person and approach. There's a great essay. Uh, I think by a guy named Bill Derezowicz, and it was really actually fundamental as a graduating university. The name of the essay is, what are you going to do with that? And it's basically talking about specialization. Not saying there's anything wrong with specialization. We need neurosurgeons. We need very specific types of lawyers, et cetera, right? Again, don't get me wrong, but it's basically like, if then you become, let's say, not just you studied law, then you became a lawyer, and then you became a, a corporate lawyer, and then an environmental corporate lawyer, and then a, a very specific type of environmental corporate lawyer, so on and so forth. Now, if you approach life as an environmental corporate lawyer, maybe you're not getting the most out of it. doesn't mean that you don't work as one. You see what I mean? Just yeah. the slight nuance. So yeah, I agree that. Look at it as creating relationships in a life-based approach, but don't approach life as that specialized function. And I think actually you'll be a better business person, a better you know entrepreneur, a better period by looking to be well-rounded in general first, not the other way around. That's that's a great perspective. And I, I think that's a, a good place for us to end. So, uh, you know, David, thank you so much for, yeah, for joining joining me today here. Uh, for those that have not yet attended Lunch Without Lunch, uh, we do uh, have that every Wednesday at noon. Calgary and Edmonton both have their own. So take a look at uh, Rainforest's website to, to learn more about that. And uh, if you haven't yet had the opportunity, take a look at the social contract as well that we have that details some of the ideas that, uh, that actually Actually, David did share uh, while we were on here about the being open to new ideas and being uh, welcome to whatever may come out of a relationship, not expecting transactions to uh, to occur. So once again, David, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, any last things that you'd like to add there at all? Or um, No, I mean, yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, we could talk all day about this. And I think this is just a great example just for those listening. Like Chris and I haven't known each other for more than, what, let's say two, two months. We met at Lunch Without Lunch, um, then connected, you know, and, and say, okay, you know, what are you doing? How can we help each other in where we're at currently? And then reached out with the podcast and here we are. So I think it's just another great example of just how it works, right? That at Lunch Without Lunch, some of the best connections I've had have come over the course of a year or two where Maybe if I approached like, okay, this person's not giving me anything right now, it's not a good contact, I wouldn't have seen the fruit later on, right? I mean, it's a, that's why we call it bearing fruit, right? It takes time, right? So be patient. But I think the Lunch Without Lunch is a great place to start. Come by Work Nicer. I'm a member there. Um, it's a really, really, really great community, you know, make you feel welcome to participate. But I think that's the key is just come meet other people, figure out where they're doing. And if there's a fit, great. If there's not, maybe there is down the road. Um, but yeah, look at each other as not just the title of what they're doing in that moment, because they could change roles. So could you, and maybe you need to focus on the relationship first. And, uh, yeah, besides that, I'm doing a, a workshop on the Google ad grants that I do for connect ad, uh, May 30th. It is a free workshop Thursday, May 30th over lunch, 1130 to 1230. We're talking about the Google ad grant opportunity and how nonprofits can get $10,000, each month in free advertising to help them yeah, turn clicks into conversions. So if you're interested, if you're a nonprofit or you just want to learn more about the digital advertising space, come by. It'd be great to see you. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, that's great. Okay. Well, thanks, David. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. 
Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was sponsored by Unit B Coworking, a place to create, grow, and feel connected. Visit unitb.ca for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.